Hello, Smegheads. My name's Jed Shepherd. And I'm Daniela Phillips. Thanks for listening once again to the Smegheads podcast. Um, we really appreciate you subscribing and uh, write some comments on iTunes if you haven't already. Nice comments, though, please. Nice comments. If you're going to write something nasty, then just, just don't. Or some explicit comments. We don't mind the explicit comments. Send us your explicit comments to um, us on Twitter if you get a chance. Um, but yeah, this is episode three of season one of Red Dwarf. <laughs> you forgot what yeah, it's yeah. called there. Yeah. That's too much wine already. <laughs> and um, I've just eaten this. Um, my pe- We just had some Domino's pizza. Um, Daniela had cheese and tomato. I Classic. Ha- and I had um, a cheese and tomato pizza with spinach onion bhaji, tuna, and barbecue sauce. It was gross, guys. It wasn't gross. It looked it gross. It was gross. But I thought it's a Red Dwarf type of pizza, something that Lister would eat. Yeah, but need a bit of curry on there, though. A bit of indigo. A little bit. I am wearing a London Jets um, t-shirt right now. I'm totally cosplaying, even though no one can see this. Yeah, I can see I can see the stains down the shirt. There is well. now. So <laughs> onion bhaji is dripping out of my mouth. Uh, but yeah, thanks again for listening. And uh, this episode's called Balance of Power, which... Um, it's not like the previous episode, which was hard sci-fi, as I mentioned. This one's more of a sitcom type of um, episode. What's even more interesting is that I watched this episode on YouTube instead of Netflix. And yeah. uh, the voices sounded like the characters had been uh, sucking on some helium. Yeah. Apart from Lister, who sounded totally the same. Though um, you have Netflix and it's readily, readily available elsewhere, you wanted to watch it illegally for some reason yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, well, I like to live uh, life on the edge. Live life on the edge. Yeah. Um, did, did, did the police come a-knocking? Not, not so far. Right, let's hope they're not listening to this podcast. That's good. They're, they're outside right now. Um, so this was, as I said, a bit more sitcom a bit more of a kind of a bustle episode. It was more just in a few different rooms. Not much space kind of opera stuff going on. No, um, I didn't really like this episode. Full disclosure. Just straight away, straight yeah, in there. Straight in there. Um, well, it starts with a similar kind of setup as episode one. Lister's sitting with his feet up um, while Rimmer stands and dictates boring stuff. Um, they're basically taking stock of what's left on Red Dwarf. Um, and Lister's there checking off things on the list, including things like 4,691 irradiated haggis. Yeah. That was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever had haggis full stop? I have actually, yeah, in in Scotland. Have you really showing off now? Yeah, like, well, it's the only way to have it. See, I've only had uh, vegetarian haggis. Well, you're a vegetarian, so that makes sense. Yeah, but it it tastes like I haven't tasted normal haggis, but having a vegetarian version seems like it would be better than eating like guts and stomach lining. It actually tastes really good. It tastes really? like a burger. It served like a burger and well when I had it in, in a slice and uh, yeah okay. it's pretty good. Well there's uh, our cookery lesson for today. Actually I want to do in further uh, Red Dwarf episodes I want to do like a cookery piece like no joke because there's so much food throughout the episodes of Red Dwarf. I think at some point we need to try and recreate some of the things Lister eats. Some of the weird things. I think you can do that one. I'll, uh, I'm, I'll take that, notes. I'm happy with that. Like in in, a, in an episode in, in season two, he has a triple fried egg. Um, Definitely not chili chutney part sandwich. In that one. You don't like eggs, do you? I detest eggs. That's really weird. I used to live with someone who detested eggs. I thought it was, it's bizarre. You don't me. like eggs. Eggs are awesome. No. Um, and basically, uh, Rimmer is just there to wind up Lister, and all Lister wants to do is have fun on a Saturday night, um, like he used to do with his friends, and have a bit of a drink, which is fair enough. But Rimmer is essentially blackmailing Lister 
to do work and listen to him. So Rimmer has taken all of the sausages, sausages, cigarettes cigarettes. hostage. He may have taken the sausages hostage too. We just don't know. I think that was in the DVD outtakes. Um, But yeah, so he keeps the cigarettes hostage and he rewards Lister every now and again with one cigarette here and there if he's being good. So basically it's one cigarette for each day. He obeys him. Um, And that's the kind of setup of this episode where as it's called Balance of Power, at the moment, Rimmer is, has all the power and, and Lister doesn't. But I kind of support Rimmer and his decision you because would. Uh, cigarettes are very bad for you. And by, by behaving like this, maybe it will encourage uh, Lister to give up. But he's the last human alive, so it doesn't really matter that much. It does he's matter. outlived everyone. It does matter because there is no one there to provide your medical care when you develop cancer. Holly? True. Holly, Holly can do stuff. He, he can make new lungs. Um, and later on, Crichton. Um, so, um, Lister is essentially very angry at Rimmer for, for blackmailing him. And um, he goes to his bunk and, and says uh, to Holly, why have you brought back Rimmer? Why didn't you bring back Kachansky? Um, because obviously you'd have more fun if Kachansky was there. And what does Holly say? Holly says, um, you... Rimmer is the person they've spoken to most on the ship, and he's the person that would most likely keep him sane. And apparently he's only spoken to Christine about 173 words. So. 173 words. Yeah. Which kind of contravenes what happens in later in later episodes. I know you're not up to that bit yet, but um, they've kind of retconned it a little bit. And um, in future episodes, he actually went out with Kachansky for a couple of weeks. Oh, okay. So speaking 173 words to someone you went out with for a couple of weeks. Maybe they were uh, busy doing other things. That's true. Crosswords and um, charades. Which Sudoku. Sudoku. My mum likes Sudoku. Sudoku. Um, my friend used to be grand champion of the world, Sudoku. Amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm so bad at How it. How do you become grand champion of the world? Um, you become the champion in the UK first and then you go over to China, which is really where the grand championships take place and you battle against the world. That makes sense. Yeah. And, um, I'm just no good at it. I, I don't have, I'm not good at crosswords either. I'm good with words, but not crosswords. I'm really terrible at Scrabble. Right. But I do like Sudoku. I'm quite good at it. Okay. We'll maybe test you at some point. Yeah. Live on air, maybe. Live on air. Um, so Lister, um, at that time, uh, utters the word crap. And suddenly something happens, which is my pet peeve in Red Dwarf, which is the toilet starts talking because he said the word crap. Um, so the toilet appears. It never appears again in Red Dwarf, this, this toilet that appears in his quarters. Um, and again, I think it's lazy writing, making a... Uh, a everyday object having a voice, but you disagree, right? It's, it's a, it is a cheap joke, but you know, it's a cheap... it, it, it depends on what the object is talking. The toilet, yeah, no, I'm, I didn't really find what, that. Okay, very what funny. would you accept um, as non-lazy writing as a talking object? I'm always well, objects. I'm not quite sure. I'm always down with animals talking. <laughs> this is nothing to do with red dwarf. This is just <laughs> your personal preference. But as we're on the subject, what animal would you like to talk more than anything? More than anything, probably a crocodile. A crocodile, yeah. but a crocodile would be really sneaky. I don't think so. They're really stupid, actually. Really, they're not intelligent creatures. No. Ah, okay. And what would um, a crocodile say? Get snappy. <laughs> <laughs> I once said that to a. Um, I was on a ship last year, 
uh, for some reason. <laughs> and um, I was I said to my friends all around this, we went to dinner. And we were around a table, and um, I'm a vegetarian, but I eat fishy type things, anything in the water. So I was like, I'll, I'll try a crocodile. What about if a cow was in the water and was swimming? Yeah. You'd eat it? If it was a water cow. Okay. Um, so I said to my friends, guys, I've got something really funny coming up. We'll just watch this. And they were like, what, what are you doing, Jed? So the, wait- the waiter came over, <laughs> and I was like, um, hi, I'll have uh, this, this, this. Um, and can I have a crocodile, please? And make it snappy. And, they, and the guy didn't react. My friends didn't laugh. So I had to eat in silence. It, it died like a toilet joke on the Red Dwarf. Yeah, it did. I was, um, I was kind of upset. But I think it's more saying stuff about my friends rather than the joke. Because I think the joke was pretty solid. I, I, I'd support that. Good. Um, so, um, <laughs> so Lister's pretty peeved off that um, Holly picks um, Rimmer over Kachansky. Um, over anyone else, I think. Yeah, because he would have actually accepted anyone else, like Peterson or Chen or any of those other guys. And that's why at that point, he kind of, he goes to the um, empty kind of mess hall type, um, cafeteria type place. And he reminisces about um, old times on Red Dwarf and having fun with his friends. Um, and it's, did he say it was a 90s... Revival night or something? It's a 1990s nostalgia theme night. Yeah, which is... Because it's quite amusing because all of the... Um, if you notice in Red Dwarf, they have a lot of pop culture references to the 20th century. Even though they're meant to be in the 22nd century, uh, or maybe the 23rd century, um, all of their references are about the 20th century. So having a 1990s night is like us having a 1780 night. Hang on a minute, 23rd century? Yeah. Aren't they three million years ahead? Yeah, but sorry, before, before the oh, accident. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm with you, I'm with you. So it's quite unusual to have that night. Um, and this is, I've got an audio clip, because we're all fancy now, we're on a third episode, of something <laughs> that happens um, during uh, that particular um, reminiscent, uh, what's the word? Flashback. Um, have a listen right now. I have been for Biden, I have been for Juno, I can name eight things that go in Josh Juno. Pickens! Jump! Spaghetti! Brains! Really sad. Why is it sad? It's not dead yet. <laughs> yeah, so um, I don't. I've, I've actually played that drinking game. Have you? I have. Yeah. So I, I've never played it because it involves your hands clapping while that you could spend the time drinking instead. Oh no! It, it involves a lot of coordination and thinking, and yeah. And do you do the jar thing as well? The jar thing. <laughs> that's what the whole game was they what goes naming, in jars na- yeah but it depends on which topic you have loads of different topics what's the topic you usually play uh well i've played london underground stations see that you know about trains yeah but everyone in london can play that i that's think true. i think the best one i did was uh well the one that certainly got the most laughs was when i was with a group of friends and we started talking out or doing that quiz and doing sexual positions your mum listens to this. That's fine. And uh, <laughs> so the, the first one, okay. we're, going, we're going around, we're doing the the clapping. Yeah. First one, missionary, okay. comes around to me, second person, and I say, reverse cowgirl. 
And I think the, uh, the table erupted with laughter at the, <laughs> the fact that that was the first thing that came to my mind. And the game ended there. <laughs> you had to spoil it for everyone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the most interesting thing about that particular um, uh, reminiscing kind of memory from, from Lister is the fact that Lister says brains in jars. Now, I don't know if, if you've seen much of season seven, Daniela. Not for a few years. But this is a spoiler now, but um, Lister's brain is in a jar in, in <gasps> um, part of, of season seven. Oh, so it's a bit foreshadowing of what's yeah, going on. Yeah, but I've noticed re-watching um, Red Dwarf from the very start again, I've noticed there's a lot, there's a lot of foreshadowing. It's either that or... Um, in the later episodes, the writers had to go back and think of explaining things. Explaining things, yeah. and I think that's I've never seen that written down anywhere, but um, something I noticed today, yeah. which is which is pretty cool. Um, but do you find that Lister's friends are people that you would like to like to know? As in Nigel from EastEnders. Nigel from EastEnders, um, that guy uh, Peterson who's in a lot of failed sitcoms, and that other guy that was in Holby City. So it's if Mark Williams from Far Show. Yeah, he was in the Far Show as well, but he yeah. he played the dad in about five different sitcoms oh, really? as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you think they're people that you get on with? Um, probably not. I'd say. See, because I've in my time I've known a few people like that, and I've I've always kind of they're okay for like maybe one interaction, and I kind of get sick of them. I'm not really a kind of manly man throwing drinks over people. They're a bit loud. A little bit loud and a little bit mean. I find. Yeah, yeah they weren't very nice about Lister and his a. Uh, Crush on Kachansky. I know, objectifying Kachansky quite a lot. They've all had her, apparently. Well, yeah, she gets around the block a bit. She does. Um, but we'll come back to that later. Um, so uh, they're saying to Lister, oh, Kachansky is out of your league. I'm not going to do voices in this, this podcast. Um, and uh, Lister kind of, he's a bit embarrassed by it. And he, he says he's not interested in Kachansky, even though we know full well that he really is. Um, and then we see Rimmer appear and ask Lister... Um, if he's seen his revision timetable. And this reminded me, this kind of interaction, this whole thing, in Red Dwarf, in fact, is like being in school. It's kind of a school situation where there's different cliques and, and Rimmer isn't in the cool clique. Click. Is it click or clique? Clique. Clique. And uh, Lister is in the kind of like the boisterous kind of jock kind of clique. Yeah, Rimmer turns up and he has lots of highlighter pens sort of strapped to his chest and arms. Yeah, and, Is that, uh, that reminds me, that's something that you would probably do. I didn't know, but I'm a big fan of stationery, so I can support I, that move. That's true, me, me too. Um, and Lister admits that he, th- that he threw away Rimmer's um, revision timetable. Um, he, he's just a bit of a, he's not very nice to Rimmer, Um and see, this is the kind of thing that leads me to sometimes not like Lister. I, I don't really like Rimmer that much, his personality. But sometimes I think it, Rimmer's personality is warranted because Lister's actually quite mean to him sometimes. He's a sometimes. bit of a bully. Yeah. He can be a bit of a bully. Um, and at some point you have to tell me about that person you're enemies with. Ah, that's in uh, <laughs> episode 12. <laughs> okay. Um, so then Lister goes back to kind of... Um, the present day when he's reminiscing and uh cat is seen pushing a crate of cigarettes the cigarettes the very cigarettes that rimmer hid from lister um in the first scene um and rimmer kind of stops him and said please 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 return them i'll do anything um and what does he offer him well he offers him fishies 
Yeah. Um, and he said, he can, I'll give you all the fish that you ever, could ever need if you hide those um, cigarettes think, from Lister. I think he gets up to six. He gets up to six. Yeah. Because that's the only leverage he has on Lister. Um, and without that, Lister is kind of on his own and he can do what he wants. So obviously it's in Rimmer's best interest to keep those cigarettes away. Um, and what what would be the leverage that it would take for you to do something that you didn't want to do? Burgers. What if someone offered you a burger? Yeah. You would obey them? Pretty much, yeah. Wow. I thought it was pizza the way you wolfed down that pizza. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. <laughs> um, so then he goes to uh, Lister in his quarters playing Ris- uh, Rasta Billy Skank. Um, which is one of the only kind of 22nd, 23rd century references there is. Um, I'd never heard it before. Rastabilly Skank. I mean, it's a made up, it's a made up um, person, straight band, but there's no singing. It's just, there's no backing track. It's just a... It's very strange. A clean guitar just playing some chords, which is kind of weird. Um, it's not the kind of thing that you would obsess over. And it's not the kind of thing um, that would have a health warning, even though Rimmer says it contains a, a health warning. Mm, not very dangerous. No, like, it's not like that rock and roll. Exactly. <laughs> um, and we see uh, Lister playing along with his guitar. It's one of the first instances we see Lister with his guitar. And um, we come back to that a lot in the future Red Wolf episodes. Um, because it's one of the few things that Lister has from the olden days that kind of keeps insane. Um, as well as Rimmer, of course. And uh, Lister vows to... Um, this is how Lister is going to get, get back at Rimmer. He, he vows to pass the exams so he becomes a higher rank than Rimmer. And because Rimmer is so adamant um, in um, obeying the laws and he sticks... To, and he believes in... Um, what's the word? A, a t- he believes in order and hierarchy. That's right. Yeah. So... If anyone's above him, even Lister, he would listen to him. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit on Lister's side here because I, I'm not very good with authority. Oh, you need rules. You need rules no. in life. I always find, every boss I've ever had, I, I always find that they know less than me. That's probably because you're an intelligent being, Jay. I don't think so. I think mm-hmm. you get to the stage of being a boss, not by knowing stuff, but by being able to kind of organise things and... I think it's how many years you've been in the company as well. Do you think that's what it yeah, is? Yeah, Well, exactly. Well, Rimmer does say that he has been there for 15 years and Lister has only been there for like eight months well, um, that, before the um, accident sense. happened. Yeah. So I guess that's why he's a second technician. So Lister vows to pass the exam um, and this really, really peeves peeves off Rimmer. So I don't know whether we can swear on this podcast because I think if we swear then on uh, iTunes I have to put Well, I, I, I actually don't swear in real life, Jed. So. I don't really swear that no, much either. so it's not that much of a hardship. We can keep it clean. Yeah, we can keep it no clean. No more reverse cowgirl. <laughs> See, now we've put that in, do I, do I have to put explicit? I don't think so. Unless you go into, into detail, I yeah, think it's we're not, fine. We're not putting any pictures up. <laughs> no. um, so uh, Rimmer is very peeved <laughs> and he wakes up the next day um, and Lister's gone. Um, so Rimmer goes on the lookabout from on the walkabout for him. And what he discovers, he goes into the cinema. And that cinema you barely see in Red Dwarf. I don't think you see it again for a while. Probably don't see it again, do you? Well, I, I didn't remember it. Yeah. And in the cinema, 
you have uh, two of the scutters watching. What are they watching? Is it like a Western or something? Yeah, I didn't recognise the film. I think it's just a made-up film. But the scutters are in there. And this is... See, I have this whole subplot going on where it's the scutters world. See, I would like... In the new Red Dwarf... I was thinking about this today. In the new Red Dwarf, this is what I want it, how it to start. Fade in from black and a voiceover... Um, Red Dwarf. It goes through the corridors of Red Dwarf, and no one's there. And then we see the crew of the Red Dwarf all dead lying on the floor. Um, and then you hear a voiceover saying, um, "All the crew are dead. It's only me left now. I have to guide the ship to Earth." And then it kind of like pans out, and it's one of the Scutters. And the Scutter says, "Like I am now in control of Red Dwarf." And the whole first episode is about one of the Scutters and how he revives the crew. So it's a bit of a prequel. No, it will. It will be uh, no. Maybe it'll go back to to when Red Wolf the accident first happened, mm. and it was Scutter's fault that the drive plate broke. Maybe so. Behind the scenes, the Scutters have been kind of organising everything. Interesting. Sounds quite good. Mm. Um, is there a bit of a buzz? Maybe a little bit of a buzz. Um, so the Scutters are in there, and Rimmer berates them for um, not doing any work and for for watching this film. And the scutters hold up a dustpan and brush to show them that they have been doing work after all. And then gives Rimmer the, t- the, the kind of fingers, the two fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, see, this is, I love the scutters. And they're never I really do. fully realised in any of the episodes. Every now and again, you see them kind of with a, wearing a cowboy hat or kind of um, interacting with some of the characters, mostly with Rimmer giving him the, uh, the fingers. Um, but I think they should be more integral into the plot in the new season. Yeah, there's a lot of potential with them. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Because you do get bored with some of the main characters sometimes. I, I get bored with Cat sometimes. I feel yeah. like his character isn't really fully, especially for season one and, and season two, his character is very, very one-dimensional. Even though he's a one-dimensional character, I find all he does is look in, in mirrors. And he's really there to, to kind of be the audience's eyes and ears because something happens and the cat goes, what happened? What was that? Um, and then... When Crichton's around, Crichton's the, the exposition guy. He says, well, this happens and this black hole is here for this reason. See, I spent the entire episode thinking, when is Crichton going to turn up? I miss Crichton. So you, so you, you didn't realise that he's only in one episode in season two and then doesn't come in until season three as a regular? No, because as I said, I haven't watched it for so long and I'm really missing him. Yeah, yeah, he kind of, it, he leaves it up to, well, the, the rights leave it up to Holly to kind of give you some exposition of, of what's happening, what these weird things are. Um, so, but yeah, I, I feel like the cat is the, plays the part of the audience, kind of wondering what's happening and, and asking for more explanation, explanation on certain things. Yeah, he's, he's setting up the explanations. Exactly. Um, and uh, so it goes to... Uh, yeah, so Rimmer's searching for Lister. And he's uh, got a different arm. Got, got a different arm. And he's going around trying to find him. Yeah, he's got Peterson's arm, hasn't he? <laughs> Which is pretty cool. Um, and um, the way you can tell it's Peterson's arm, it's got a tattoo on it and it's really hairy. It was the exact same size as Rimmer's arm. A tattoo of Denmark. A tattoo of Denmark. <laughs> so he goes to, to, um, into the, another room and he sees Cat there. And Cat is at the food machine. And the food machine is uh, played by Tony Hawks, who later on um, plays the toaster in in season two. Tony Hawks is in the uh, skateboarder. Not the skateboarder. Oh. It's uh, the actor Tony Hawks, who's been in lots of things. He's in a lot of Red Dwarf episodes, actually. He's in Backwards. He's in, he plays Caligula in, in a later episode as well. Um, but th- I'm going to play you the audio from this scene. It's Cat uh, at, uh, at the food machine. Oh. 
How can I help you? Fish. Today's fish is trout a la creme. Enjoy your meal. Fish. Today's fish is trout a la creme. Enjoy your meal. Fish. Today's fish is trout a la creme. Enjoy your meal. Fish. Today's fish is trout a la creme. Enjoy your meal. Fish. Today's fish is trout a la creme. Enjoy your meal. Fish. Today's fish is trout a la creme. Enjoy your meal. I will. <laughs> There we have it. Um, it led me to believe the fact they can summon food out of thin air. Is it like the replicator on Star Trek where you can just make food out of out of nothing? Or is that coming from their stocks? I have no idea, but I'm very impressed if it is because I can't find fish that last more than three days, let alone three million years. It could, the fish could have been in stasis as well, I guess. Yeah. Think, how long would it take to defrost? Actually, everything would be radi- irradiated, like the hags, because of the the um, the leak when the when the crew dies. Surely the fish and all the organic matter would have died as well and yeah. turned into. Um, so, why is Rimmer then um, taking stock at the start of the episode when you can just summon fish out of thin air? Maybe you have to restock something. Maybe it's coming from the stocks, yeah. Because in later episodes, they run out of like curry and things like that so um spoilers again sorry um but i actually think it's quite odd mm. and also um cat in later episodes as well and maybe in the next episode is on is on the search for food again when in this episode you can he knows he can just get it from the machine yeah which is kind of odd but then rimmer um continues his search for lister to try and disrupt him from revising for this exam because obviously he doesn't want Lister to become a higher rank than him because he loses all the power. He loses the balance of power. So Rimmer finds Lister revising in... What room is that? It's like an officer's kind of quarters. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, and he's watching some video of a man with extremely large hands. He has got really... Uh, and it's weird that you notice that because I find everyone in Red Dwarf has really big hands. It's really bizarre because Rimmer's hands are quite big compared to the rest of his body. Maybe it's a side effect of being in space for too long. Maybe because of gravity, yeah, something to do with we gravity. Yeah, we should ask uh, Stephen Hawking. We have. Yeah, um, um, in case you're not on my Twitter. Did I put it on Twitter? You did yeah. put it on Twitter. Um, I had some questions about the first couple of episodes, um, podcast episodes of Red Dwarf. So I emailed Stephen Hawking. Naturally. Yeah, because you can. it's quite easy to email Stephen Hawking. Um, his address, if you go to the Cambridge University site, his, his email address is there. And you may think that Stephen Hawkins won't reply to someone with a stupid question, but I've done it before a few years ago when I used to sit next to this, um, at my old work, uh, before I had a record label, this um, New Zealand girl, this Kiwi girl, he was, um, she, she wasn't the brightest girl in the world. She was lovely. But then she said to me, uh, just one day, Jet, do you believe in time traps? And I said, what's a time trap? She's like, you know, when time's trapped. So I've never, never heard of this. She's, you know, like in Back to the Future, the time trap. And I'm like, do you mean a time machine? She's like, yeah, 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 a time trap. And I said to her, there's no such thing as time trap. And I Googled it. There's nothing called a time trap. There's no such thing as a time trap. And she, she said, in New Zealand, there is such a thing as a time trap. So I was like, right, I'm not having this. So I found Stephen Hawking's email address and I emailed him. And a couple of days later, he replied or his team of people replied and confirmed there was such a thing as a time trap. And it is when time is compressed into a, um, a small space 
Um, it basically confirmed that she was right and I was wrong. So I'm willing to believe um, anything is possible in this universe. So we'll get back to you on what Stephen Hawking replies yeah. to our email. Because Stephen Hawking, he did do experiments with time travel once. He um, had that time travel party. Did you read about this? I didn't know. Where he uh, basically organised a party for time travellers, but he only gave the time and the date after the party had happened. Amazing. Um, but no one turned up. Oh. So does that, that proves probably that time travellers either don't exist and will never achieve time travel or that no one wants to go to a party. Hosted by Stephen Hawking. Hosted by Stephen Hawking, yeah. We, we talk about Stephen Hawking quite a lot in our podcast, I realise. But he is, he is quite an influence on popular culture and, and sci-fi in general, I find. Um, but yeah, so uh, Rimmer goes to disrupt Lister's revisions, and Lister um, and Rimmer quizzes him, saying, "Do you know this? Do you know this?" And Lister's yeah, like, "Where's your protractor?" Yeah, and it's no, I don't know any of them because I am going for the chef's exam, not the officer's exam, and uh, because even a chef on Red Dwarf is a higher rank than Rimmer, um, which is which is quite amusing, and this infuriates Rimmer even more because he realizes that Lister has even more of a chance to become his his um superior the balance of power shifting the balance of power shifted exactly and um then we go back to the quarters and cat is sick from eating all the fish all that trout a la creme trout a la creme um and lister comes in offering cats and rimmer a piece of his uh, cake that he's just baked um but he was trying to make roast beef so he freely admits that it isn't going so well, his chef's exam, which is a kind of prelude to what happens at the end. Um, and Lister is also taking learning drugs. Um, yeah, which he uh, got from Rimmer's locker. Exactly. Would you ever cheat on an exam? No, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd like, what was that? <laughs> no, I wouldn't cheat. Have you ever cheated? No. Now you know that your mum listens. Have you ever cheated on an exam? No, of course not. I, um, I haven't done well enough to ever claim <laughs> to have cheated on an exam. I did a, a geography exam. It was from a geography GCSEs. Um, actually, it was the mocks from, for, for GCSEs. Um, and I did geography. And I, I'm so bad at geography. I'm just terrible. So um, I had a scientific, scientific calculator. And the guy who was sitting next to me, he basically programmed all of the answers into uh, the scientific calculator, passed it to me. And I had the answers on the calculator. And I still came 18th out of 20th in my class, even though I had the answers. You were that bad. I'm so bad. I just didn't understand the answers. I'm okay now, I guess. I think I'm fine at it now. You can get from A to B. Yeah, I can get from A to B. I know the circle line. Um, so, um, yeah, so chef's exam. Are you any good at cooking? I am good at cooking, actually. Yeah, That's I do all good. the cooking at home. Do you? Would you, do you think you'd be good enough to become a chef on Red Dwarf? Judging by the standards of the food that I've seen so far, yes. Because this, this, is the, this is the thing that gets me. Why would you need a chef on Red Dwarf when you can get food instantly, any food you like, out of a machine? For barbecue parties? Barbecue parties, and I guess more social occasions where you want the kind mm. of human touch. Maybe there's only a certain number of dishes that it can serve up. And if you want other things than the yeah, chef Yeah, I guess like it. a sweet like machine. Like machines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Weird. Um, I, I once held a petition. This is, again, this is a story about my old work. Um, there was a lot of people working my old work. And we had some uh, sandwich machines and not, um, sorry, sweet, sweet machines and, and drinks machines. And I wanted cherry coke in the machines. So I um, sent a letter to the company who provides 
are um, what goes inside the, the machines, um, saying everyone at my work wants cherry coke in the machines. And then they asked me to prove it. So I had to go around getting everyone's signatures um, to get cherry coke in the machines. But no one actually wanted it besides me. I was that selfish. But did they sign the, the signatures though? No, I, I kind of like faked it and just. I was just... going to say, it's not going to. If you're replacing it, yeah. you know. And what's it to this company coat? as well? They're, they're, what is it to this company? I don't know. We're, we're getting off track now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so Lister is um, trying to, to pass the exam. These learning drugs don't seem to be great because he got the learning drugs from Rimmer, and Rimmer's never passed an exam. So that's your first clue that it's never going to work. He's also eating some buns while he's revising. Yeah, what? That. Why would he just take notes of that? Do you think those buns he made himself? Uh, if he did, I don't think he'd be eating them. That's true. Maybe he'd be saving it for his exam. Um, but Lister knows Rimmer will listen to him. So that's why Lister's trying to read out. This is probably the only thing that Lister's ever tried hard on in his entire life. Um, because he really wants to get one up on, on Rimmer. And um, Lister takes the exam. But during the exam, Kachansky turns up. And uh, Kachansky says to him, oh, you don't want to take this exam. Just hang out with me. But then she makes the fatal mistake of sounding a bit too much like Rimmer. She also says, you know, she would never have been interested in him as well. Which was kind of harsh because, yeah. again, later on you find out they went out with each other for two weeks, two and a half weeks. Mm. And later on, actually, they get married. Spoilers. Spoilers again, yeah. So, but I guess uh, Rimmer didn't know a lot about this situation, so um, he gets caught out. Because Lister says to him, um, so what was it like when, you know, we we made love behind the bins? And uh, Rimmer says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, catching Rimmer out with the fact that they'd never actually made love at that point in the in the, in the Red Dwarf. They hadn't reversed cowgirl. They haven't rever- even reversed cowgirl, which is first base, if, if that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you don't reverse cowgirl on your first date, then it's, it's an awful date. Yeah. Um, so uh, Lissa finally finds out that um, it is definitely not Kachansky. So Rimmer um, transforms back into himself, but reveals he still has one breast that still is Kachansky's. Yeah, he, ha- he has a nipple. He has um, a nipple and a whole right breast. And he tells Holly to take his time in converting it back to his, his male nipple because he wants to spend some quality time with that breast, which is fair enough. Three million years into deep space. Uh, no opportunity to reverse cowgirl anyone's space. No. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the talking toilet. You could... <laughs> let me think. You could reverse cowgirl the talking <laughs> toilet quite easily, couldn't you? But the way that a toilet's shaped... Actually, I found out... This is, this is true. I, if you reverse cowgirl a toilet, that is the best way ergonomically for you to sit on a toilet. Really? For, your, for your body, yeah. It's the natural way for... for but you don't have to... any back support. No, but you don't necessarily have to lean against the back of a toilet, do you? <laughs> I, don't... I, don't take a, I don't take a rest and go to sleep. I know some people can go to sleep on a toilet, but I can't. I was in, Jap- I was in Tokyo and they had a, a toilet. There was effectively a talking toilet because um, it had... Actually, it did speak and it played music and it had all these buttons Amazing. that did stuff. So I was playing around with the buttons and the lights and it warmed the seats and there was like jets of things coming at me. It was crazy. Jets at Jed. Yeah. You, you go there for a number one, you end up being there for like an hour, just like hanging out and just getting refreshed. It's awesome. Um, so <laughs> so Rimmer goes, goes away defeated. Um, 
and then he sees Lister walking down the corridor and he's like, Lister, so what happened? Yeah. Uh, gets his results. Gets his results. What what happens? And uh, so he says, how did you do, Lister? And what does Lister say? That's Mr. Lister, sir. How did you do, Mr. Lister, sir? Jumps in the air, freeze frame. Um, it's a great ending. It's a great ending. It's not a great episode, but it's a great ending. It's not a great episode at all. And a great episode doesn't necessarily make a great podcast either. But do you, <laughs> know, do you know why they freeze-framed at the end? I don't know. Because if you look at the Smeg-Ups for season one, which is on YouTube, and I had the VHS video as well, which is the kind of Red Dwarf's outtakes. After he does that jump, he falls and he hurts his leg and he kind Ouch. of hobbles off. Um, so I guess that's when they had to freeze-frame Breakfast Club styly. Um, but it works. It does work. Um, so what did you actually think of that episode, Daniela? As I said, I, I didn't really like it. There's not a lot going on. No. The, the balance of power is is a bit weak, to be honest. It is, because, yeah, the balance of power never, re- it never really changed. And, and, and Lissa doesn't even have to listen to Rimmer anyway. No, they, they don't really raise the stakes very high. It could have got exactly. really competitive. Yeah. They could have made a lot of comedy out of it. Rimmer could have got done something that's a little bit more dangerous that Lister would have to listen to him. But keeping his cigarettes at bay for a little while isn't the biggest thing. I know no. Lister is a bit of a slob. Yeah, exactly. So Rimmer's He's actually doing him a favour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is the point that I want to bring out something I've, I've got, which is the Red Dwarf Programme Guide. And... Um, I'm going to read you some facts from the Red Dwarf Program Guide um, for every episode from from now on. This Red Dwarf Program Guide is updated frequently. This is the third revised edition. Um, it's got Chloe and Annette on the front, which is which isn't great, but they have good little snippets of um, of knowledge that you can read here. So. This is the reason why this one was a bit boring. Um, so BBC executives were hardly the biggest fans of science fiction in 1988. So um, they told the writers, Rob Grant and Doug Naylor, to make it this particular episode a more sitcom-y um, and to focus on the relationship between List and Rimmer. Um, and it was kind of like an episode of, of Porridge or something like that. When they're, I've never seen Porridge. You've never seen Porridge? I've never seen Porridge. You need to watch Porridge, YouTube that stuff. It's actually on the, on the same channel as Red Dwarf on a Dave, I think, or Dave, um, yeah. yeah. The um, the Porridge is it's essentially the same thing. Two guys, two bunks, um, just 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 shooting the breeze Maybe in one room. Do a uh, podcast on Porridge once we finish Red we Dwarf. We should. Uh, I can watch it for the first time. It's great, and uh, the sequel to um, Porridge is going straight when he's out of prison. Is Which isn't so good, good no. no. Because actually Red Dwarf is, is, is very like Project because they're in a contained space, they can't leave. Um, wow, it's a lot like Porridge, actually. And there's a humanoid cat in um, Porridge as well. And a robot. It's not really. <laughs> <laughs> you were blowing my mind then. <laughs> um, here's some more facts. Um, the episode has an unusual cliffhanger. As Lister claims to pass a chef's exam, which would make him Rimmer's superior and change the entire structure of the programme. However, we'll see in the next episode, episode that Holly's introduction to the following episode makes it clear that he was lying. Yeah. Um, which is kind of cool, I guess. For a little while, Rimmer would be fretting that he would have to listen to, to Lister. It's a bit of an anticlimax, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and Lister could have got Holly to kind of do a fake um, exam and stuff. Mm. Um, And and everyone in in the space call is dead now, so he could have just faked everything. And how bad could he be at cooking to fail the show? Exactly. It's crazy. 
But yeah, thanks again for listening to. So, is there anything else you want to say? Do you have any testicle facts? Uh, none for this episode, but may- maybe next week. Okay, good. I, I expect it now. Um, but I used to, when I used to do my radio show, I had a guy coming on and do asteroid asteroid news. So he would come in every week and tell me if any asteroids are out there and if we're about to be hit by an asteroid. So you want me to come in and tell you if there are any testicles out there? Yeah. But it's funny, the one time he didn't come in, or the one time he didn't have any asteroid news, is the one time an asteroid was going to hit Earth. Do you think the two things were linked? <laughs> yeah, I think so, somehow. Um, but yeah, again, thank you very much for listening to Smegheads. We're excited about the new season coming next. There's been a lot of news on Twitter about the new season. Um, tickets apparently are going to become available next month in September. At the moment, no one really knows how to get tickets. They're keeping it close to their chest. But um, we think you have to sign up to a mailing list um, and just wait for them to give you the heads up. But if you follow Doug um, Doug Naylor on Twitter, he's usually quite good to give you the heads up of when tickets are available. So go to the, if we're not at the filming, I'll be quite upset. I'll be too. I, I will be extremely upset. But I'm sure we'll get at least one episode because they're filming 12 episodes, filming seasons 11 and 12 back to back. All right. Which is exciting. Um, so again, I will see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. So good night, Smokeheads. If you listen to this at night, if you're not, good day, Smokeheads. Bye. For listening to Smegheads, the Red Dwarf podcast. Smegheads is a production of Post Pop, and you can check out the show notes and other stuff at postpoppodcasts.com/smegheads. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. See you later, Smegheads.